I need your uh, expert overly sensitive ears, please. May I borrow them, please? Mm-hmm. Okay, I know you can hear the streetcar and stuff, but if I'm quiet for a minute, can you hear the dehumidifier in my bathroom? It's hard over the sound of my computer, which is pretty noisy fans. It's probably about like you're like... Yeah, I think I think maybe if I crank the volume and and listen to this in a different room, maybe well, I'll have maybe a shot. Jim, Jim, but... Can't Jim do a thing where he makes like a I want to say a sample? Can you take a I snatch of room noise? Yeah, I don't think I can. It's not. It's way quieter than the streetcar. All right. Um, well, so far we're off to a great start. I uh, yeah, I got rained on, so I had to take off uh, all my clothes and put them in the bathroom with the dehumidifier. Did you? Hey, yeah, we're Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. 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 Um, but... That's why you didn't have rain there. We usually don't. Don't you follow? Don't you follow Darth? Mm, no. Oh, you need to get on Darth. I mean, I see enough retweets. I feel like I'm getting the. But Darth getting... is like a. It's. <sighs> so he's like a red panda, and I know. Wow. Okay. You know what a cynic is? A cynic <laughs> is somebody who knows the price of everything and uh-huh. the value of nothing. Yep. No, I do know that. You know who said that? Darth. No, he didn't. Okay. Yeah, it was in uh, Ballad of Reading Jail, or Gale, as you say. He 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 made a good uh, mock-up image of that saying, though. <laughs> he made me a Santa hat one time. It made me so happy. I still have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's raining, and it's uh, it's pretty wild. Um, wow, here we are again, huh? You're here in Spain. Yeah. You know what I've got? Oh God, now what? A toe infection. A. T- He's got the toe infection. Drugs are accused of toe infection in this economy. Seriously, like I don't, you know, and generally I'm a healthy person. I don't have anything that I would require going to the doctor for. I don't break any bones. I don't get stitches. I, you know, just maybe you get a cold every once in a while, and that's it. But you know, then in the (sighs) middle of all this, we're all sheltering in place. We're all like, oh, stay here. Yeah, toe infection. Toe infection, and you're very clean, as we talked about. Mm. You use soap. Well, it's my it's my trick toenail. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you. Uh, okay, trick knee. I've got a trick toenail. I, hey, hey, I I'm I'm strong like bull. Tell me about your trick toenail. What's up with that? I dropped a weight on it, a free weight on it, in my basement when I was a teenager. Okay, they had like a bunch of like old lady style like. Do you do you even bar, lift? You used to even dumbbells. lift? No, but we just had a bunch of weights in the okay. basement. I, you know dork around you just like to organize them no just you know whatever yeah. we had like a like i had a, a, i had a, a, I had a set of, of uh four five pound weights and a little stick to put them on and i used to i used to you know, play at weightlifting yeah we had, oh, these were like the crappy 80s ones it was like plastic filled with sand and yeah. they came in different sizes and you put them on the big metal pole and you got the big bench anyway i was messing around with them and dropped one on my big toe and it like, <sighs> cracked my oh, big toenail no, my left no, no, big, no, no, big toenail no, 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 like vertically, okay, right? Okay, yep, 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 okay. It's not super gross. Like it well, didn't actually it, do anything, you know, but like what used to be just a flat plane now had like a kink in it. And oh. so like like the the right side of the toenail was like, you know, if you looked at it straight on, you'd expect it to be like a basically a straight line or like the horizon of the earth. Oh, right? It's but like all an of a Apple TV had, remote now. <laughs> all of a sudden it had this part that went down. And oh, it's been no. like that since I've been a teenager. And so do you Low get prescription socks? No, it's just been bent and, you know, yeah. It was, that was it. Like it didn't it didn't fall off, it didn't, you know, break, it didn't bruise, like it was just just bent and cracked and all those bruises in the beginning. But anyway, for decades it's been like this, but now apparently I'm at the age where maintaining well, here, the other thing is that 
and this is an age related thing like a month or two ago i was cutting my toenails and i was doing it uh either with my glasses on or without i forget whichever one didn't let me focus well on the distance that my toes were and i cut my trick toenail down a little bit too low mm. which mm. i didn't think much of it at the time like ooh, yeah i cut that one a little bit too far oh well it's fine you know like a little bit of the, the pink part that's not supposed to be exposed but oh exposed, like, god you're killing me <laughs> whatever oh, not a big god. deal okay that was like a month and a half ago and now, like t- three days ago, I noticed that my toe was getting puffy and red. And, oh. you know, so some kind of bacteria snuck its way into my, underneath my trick toenail. Oh. You so poor thing. Is it, is it, it must be painful. Well, I mean. It's sore, I'm, at least. I'm very, very aware of my body. So as soon as I noticed that, like, oh, it's a little <laughs> bit puffy and red, uh, I'm like, okay, I got to deal with this. But, you know, you know, the situation we're in here, like yeah. everyone is at home who wants to go to the doctor. My my daughter took three three comedy steps backwards yesterday in the hallway, and I demanded that she stop. I said, "You're no, you're not allowed to get hurt on holidays, and you're not allowed to get hurt in in the middle of the lockdown." Exactly. No one wants to have a totally un coronavirus related thing that they have to go to a doctor for, and all of a sudden you're in this dilemma. Right. Stop trying to look cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, John. That Fancy gymnast walk, and that's it in this house. Well, see now, and that's not entirely fair because I do that when nobody else is home. Then I go up and down and I go, hm, 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 yeah. Well, you won't get injured when no one else. You see what I'm doing? I'm kind of throwing my wrists. I'm bending my wrists, kind of throwing them. Have you ever seen a fancy gymnast do a fan- fancy gymnast walk? Do you know sure, what I'm talking about? Sure, have. Yeah, the, the, I, it's one of my favorite parts of every routine. Is I like the parts of a routine where people are getting ready for the difficult part. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, did you see that lady in the in the hijab and her family dancing? Did you see that going around the other day? Yep, I did. Oh God, so good. And she's amazing. She's incredible but my favorite part is when she's in the back and you can tell she's like mm-hmm, like kind of getting ready like she's gonna maybe do a flip or something mm-hmm. I, I think when a gymnast does the fancy walk that's when they're doing the diagonal across the mat they're when you're on to, mat trying to get to the say. corner so they can get the maximum running distance you get right? to the corner you get the maximum run distance mm-hmm. but you need to do it looking good and you know what you do for that fancy gymnast walk mm-hmm. 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 so so what would you do if you're in my situation you got the you got the Toe infection. You caught it early, you think, but you don't want to go to a doctor. <laughs> you should self-quarantine. <laughs> I don't think that works for bacteria. Uh, I don't know. Ask Dr. Don. Wash your toes. 20 seconds. Um, I, I'm, so my guess would be, so, oh God, I hate talking about this so much, John. Okay, I'm trying not to imagine what your giant infected toe looks like. I can send you a like. picture. Do you want it? Do you want me to send you a picture? No, no, no. You no, sent me a like picture Lincoln of your says, lizard, which is well, you sent me a picture of your lizard's poop, which is way worse than my toe. Hey, hey, that was that was a photo that was in high demand, and I took mm. many precautions to protect people who didn't want to see mm-hmm. it, so they could see the pile of human kidneys that is his pre-brumation mm-hmm. poopsies. Um. So, okay, real talk. Um, I would guess. Do you have something like hydrogen peroxide? Or when I was a kid, we used to use mercurochrome. I don't think they even make that anymore. You're, you're such a... Uh, I'm a completionist. by your bootstraps. <laughs> I'm not looking for home remedies. I'm looking for how I can get professional medical attention without actually leaving my house. Oh, that's easy. Is it that's easy? easy? Well, it is easy. It's telemedicine. So yeah. if you, you've probably got that good Massachusetts insurance. And you could... <laughs> yeah, right. What? Wow. <laughs> no, huh. Nobody has good insurance. What... What planet are you on? Oh, God, our new insurance rocks. Oh, we should talk about yeah. my insurance at some point. I've heard you brag about your insurance Wasn't before. It wasn't bragging. It sounds like it's, 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 
I, I mean, I know it sounds better from your perspective because you had so much stuff that wasn't covered before that you needed covered. $1,500 a month just on my own mental health. Right, but your insurance is still crap. It's just less crap than it was before. And you don't know what the crappiness is because you haven't had a heart attack and been saddled with a $700,000 oh, okay. bill all or right. something. Thanks. Right? Wait, wait, wait to pump me up. I I'm mean, just saying, I mean, all, all of our health insurance's degrees are of crappiness. You are just saying. But instead of a $600 out of pocket, it's now five. And yes. I like that. So you, you got better insurance, that's for sure. But nobody has good insurance. Did I tell you what the pharmacist said to me did i tell you the words uh, the mouth words he used yeah your life is going to change a lot things is going to be different a lot for you is now? about to change for you i was close I was a gonna. lot is about to change for you i could show you the spreadsheet mm-hmm. like it's all in the spreadsheet yeah. um i think you could uh boy this phrase already sounds very um politically incorrect <laughs> it used to be called an advice nurse it used to be called the advice mm. nurse i thought you were going to say tell dildonics but that's a different thing i think that's a different thing are you a miranda um, no, you're Samantha. Uh, teledildonics uh, is where you call a very special kind of advice nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll advice bet you- Advice nurse. Hmm. Well, th- now they call it telemedicine. But at the time was, you'd say, okay, it's so like, our kid has been, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to say it. Imagine the words that I would say when I knock on wood about the mm-hmm. good luck we've had over the years with our kid, mm-hmm. that I am actually- she, She's strong like bull. She's strong like bull. And I am literally- literally grateful for it every day now there have been times where you know something happens she's she's only had like one earache ever or maybe two i was i was professor earache attorney Mm -hmm. at law man i had the ear problems Mm -hmm. (laughs) and (laughs) you know what i think you water fountained me you water fountained me with my own phrase now, whenever I hear, this is my new secret You're thing. Your one phrase? You have like 90 of them. Which one, no. which one is coming to mind right now? No, no, no. The, uh, I, think, I think you're thinking of uh, when, when the, uh, the that shit got the nose ring. And now if I hear anything yeah. e- anywhere near <laughs> that you, cadence. You did that to me first. That's coming from you. I'm just circling it back. No, that's why you water fountain me. I didn't water fountain you. You water fountain. You did that. <sighs> you, no, you did, you did the routine. And that was years ago, and it stuck with me so but long. I'm, you deserve I, I'm to get John it back. the Baptist, but you're our Lord John. Yeah, you're right. the one out there pumping for 33 right, well, years. Well, which one of us gets crucified upside down? Hey, you got to keep your head. Mm. Oh, sorry, Jim. Um, uh, hi, welcome back. Uh, so, what I would say is, <laughs> I keep thinking of this book. My daughter had. There's like one book, not one. I can't get anything past you. There was a book. I think it was called Nurse Nancy. Please Google mm-hmm. Golden Book Nurse Nancy. And it was so offensive. I can't, this, <laughs> this is the version that came out in the 2000s. I cannot believe the version that must have come out in like the 40s. And it's about Dr. Dan and Nurse Nancy. Oh, be careful. There might be porn out there. Okay, anyway, Nurse Nancy. And, and she helps fix the dolls mm. and he's the doctor and, he, and she is uh, his assistant. And oh, I think I see it. If memory serves, it comes with a Band-Aid. Yeah. You know, like, like a lot familiar. of doctors, they, they come with Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the uh, but 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 the uh, but the telemedicine thing. I think you could just say, "Hey, uh, am I good? You know, what do I need to do here?" Now, if you're me, you always have the hydrogen peroxide on hand because I use that. I use that as a as a prophylactic. <laughs> <laughs> listen, right here. You know all right. Yeah. No. I'm, listen, listen. All right. Uh, right. Well, so mm-hmm. here's the thing. Here's the thing, Marlon, about the hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. I don't have a cut. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the infection is inside my body. So while hydrogen peroxide on the surface of my skin might bubble and feel good, really is not going to do anything for the sepsis slowly mm. coursing through my veins. I think your scientists never stopped to ask themselves if they didn't maybe just want a little bit of magical thinking. Yeah. You know, instead of whether they could. 
I mean, it can't hurt, suppose, I suppose, but I don't think it's going to solve my problem. Well, my, my main problem was that I had never done telemedicine. Have you done telemedicine? No, my wife handles all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but for yourself, I mean. Oh, I don't go to doctors. I don't, I don't believe in them. Uh, well, someday you might have a toe infection, so hopefully you can No, but then it'll my... be too late. I'm going to have perfect health until the day I die. Until the toe infection gets Play this here. over the intercom with my, uh, my, mm-hmm. at my service. Yeah, no, I didn't, but I'd never done it before, so I had to sort that out, which wasn't too difficult. Oh, but so, I, so I'm sorry, uh, jokes have left the room. Did, is this, have you contacted someone about this? Well, that's what I was trying to sort through. Like, so I'm, uh, I think maybe we'll talk about this later in the, the show here, but like, I have lots of experience working from home, as they call it. My very first job out I'm of college. so uh, into was, talking about this. Was a telecommuting job. I, I left, I graduated college and immediately moved to Georgia where my wife went to graduate school and I continued to work for uh, a company in Boston. So my first job was telecommuting. It was my first like actual work experience. What, what year? Uh, 97. That's pretty early. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, I mean, as somebody the, who started doing it in 95, uh, that I, I, it was very, very weird to people that that's a thing you could do. Like Mike, Mike Brady, Mike Brady does that, but nobody else. It was weird to me too. It's not, not what I expected to do at all, but you know, I mean, in my case, well, anyway, we'll set that aside. We'll talk about it later. But the, the point is I've, you know, telecommuted on and off for many years. So I have lots of experience with this, which is why I knew going into the telemedicine thing, like, I know how awful this stuff is. I know how awful it can be. And then you have to add in, okay, and you know how awful everything is at doctor's offices. Like, they're still using faxes for crying out loud. Like, it's not cutting edge, right? So I, with much trepidation, I had to figure out, first I had to, to navigate the, uh, the our medical infrastructure to find out through what venue do I arrange to have a telemedicine thing take place because there are lots of ways where I can get an appointment to come to the office, but I certainly don't want that. Um, I mean, last resort, obviously I would just call the office if there's even anybody there, but I could call a number and say, Hey, I don't want to come in. I want someone to use internet magic to talk to me. How can I make that happen? But I didn't have to do that. Eventually I found the way to do it through some securities method. And the, the doctor ended up, or someone from the doctor's office ended up calling me saying, okay, uh, we'll arrange to do this thing. You'll get an email with a link, and they, they use their, their non-computer language they use to try to explain computer things. You know how, like, when you encounter people in the regular world, they try to explain a computer thing to you. Yeah. You have to translate from non-computer nerd language into, it's you know like what I mean? It's, it's close enough that you get the gist, but not close enough that they understand it, where it's like, make sure your internet is turned on. You're like, hmm, Okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna send you we're gonna send you a link in the email. And it's a very special link, and like it's just you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. I, and the service they're using is one specifically made for doctors, so I know it's going to be terrible because again, yep. having experience in enterprise tech software, and, enterprise right. software, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so. easy to sell and difficult to use. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I, I do the thing, and lo and behold, and the fir- it's first of all, I, I researched it beforehand because I knew this is the thing they were going to use, and it's like. There's no uh, there's no native app for the Mac. There's no iOS app. It's all web-based. I'm like, oh, God, web-based. Tele- like, I know the APIs available for web-based video stuff are not great. Mm-hmm. Browser support is not great. It's just not the most reliable thing. So, like, this is my only choice. There literally is no native app. I mean, is there, is there so, pretty much guaranteed to have something that's either really old and weird or hacky or both? Well, it can't be that old if it's using web stuff or video because you haven't been able to do web video conferencing stuff for many years. Does that do H H two sixty four or like what is what is the what is the standard? Yeah, but but you have to like you have to give the browser permission to use your camera, and that's all relatively new technology. It's it's a WebRT yeah. or whatever. Like there's there's a bunch of 
it's not, you know, there's a reason people don't use that. People use, you know, Skype or FaceTime or whatever, like, yeah. <laughs> but doctors are crossing these web things. So I connect up with the web thing. Lo and behold, I can see my doctor. She can see me. Hey, it Got worked on one. the first try. <laughs> All right. So we're discussed. We do. We discuss briefly the toe. It's like, okay, let's get a look at this toe. I cannot flip the camera to the back camera on my phone. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but luckily, you got no arms on your chair. So how do I how do I flip the camera to be the back camera? Because I can't, you know, what am I going to do? Turn around so that, that, like, you can't, you know what I mean? So eventually oh, do, I find... Yeah, you have to, like, turn your chair around and flip backwards a little bit. And But then you wouldn't be able to see what the camera is seeing, right? So you don't know if you're sending a good shot uh, to yeah, your doctor. Yeah, it's yeah, important yeah. to get the thing framed right. So eventually I find in the web app, there's a place to, there's a gear icon and it's settings and says, you want to flip from the back camera to the front camera, I hit, I hit back camera and then I get a spinner. And that's all she wrote for the web app. <laughs> the spinner was there, audio was gone, <laughs> video like to, was gone. Would you like to take a brief survey of how your experience went? <laughs> yeah, you joke, that is exactly what exactly came up. What the, always the, happens. the spinner was there for a little mm-hmm. while and then like it disconnected and it put up a thing in my face and said, rate the quality of this call zero through five stars. <laughs> and now it is, you do feel like you're fully in full on idiocracy. Like when she's talking to the, like the, the Jack in the box machine, it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the police are on the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you dial them back up or had you lost your session at that point? <laughs> well, that's, well, that, you know, it's the, I use the very special link and it's all over, but my okay. doctor being smart because she's a doctor immediately just FaceTimed me. <laughs> I was like, that's oh, awesome. God. That's <laughs> like, so you know cool. What? Guess what? Guess what? FaceTime works. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and, yeah. and you can turn the camera around and it still works. Oh, the magic of FaceTime. She said, what she says is, it's technically less secure than that other thing. I'm like, oh, no, it's no, not. It's not. Jesus don't, Christ. Like, please God, don't, that, don't feel like that, you have to that say that. other medical me. app is like being, God knows what's happening. Anyway. Um, so we FaceTime. Well, you know, and you know, it's just, I'm sorry. But you know, that's just so loaded up with so much junk that has not been tested to the same level as, as something on GitHub. In some cases. Yeah. I mean, I bet, I bet you the typical Python module is going to be uh, 20 times more secure and tested with eyes on it than some, some piece of enterprise software that just says, it's just some blob that says how many gigabytes the install is. Right. I mean, and there's no persistence here anyway. And for all we know, the medical thing is just routing everything through their stuff in AWS and it's open to the public and people can intercept all the video and who knows. Uh, it's, just, it's just a toe. So we got through it. We got we get to look at the toe. We get to talk about the toe. We get to poke and prod the toe. We got pristine, high-definition video of a toe. And I got a uh, prescription for antibiotics for my toe. For your mouth or for your toe? An instruction to soak it. Oh, soak it, uh, soak uh, the toe, okay. Yeah, pills. Okay, good. Okay, so you're going both ways. That's good. That's smart. I think yeah. you did the right thing. I really do. Yeah, no, but I, I was excited by being able to get medical attention without leaving the house. Uh, and, yeah. Did you ask your doctor? I mean, it's not you know, serious. Um, does it does it have any effect on your immunosuppression? No, God, I don't know. Uh, seems I know, like it's the kind that. of thing a person I, would ask nowadays. I didn't ask, and it wasn't offered, and I'm sure it's fine. I mean, okay. It's just antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff where I do find myself being like extra conservative and careful about certain kinds of things um, where I just, like, I just, like I say, we've been so fortunate and we're just, I just ugh, so lucky. And like, I just, I don't want to tempt fate, you know? 
And a toe, a wrecked toe is not a thing that I would want right now. I mean, it's not wrecked, but like that's, that's, you know, catch it early. Catch it before it becomes a big, giant, throbbing whatever. Oh, I totally agree. No, I think you did the right thing. That sucks, though. I mean, you know, you've heard me say this before, how you, as you get older, you lose symmetry in your body. And it's, there, are, there are so many instances of like, I mean, I hope nobody ever does a time. Oh, Jesus. I thought you sent me a picture of your toe. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. This is, that's it's just the offensive I mean, I have it. You no, want no, a no, 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 no. I'll send you my hernia scar if you send me that and you don't want that. <laughs> I should send you the picture of the toe next to my toe, like my supposed oh, good toe. God, Even that's a hard show. Toes. I just had to watch a wandering spleen on Grey's Anatomy, and then a little lady died on the table with. Ugh! I just. Oh, it's so horrible. So I put on Parks and Rec. Okay, what's going on here? What am I looking at? Let's see. Open. Okay, this is a. Oh, it looks like a gatefold here from uh, uh, from yeah. Nurse Nancy. She had. I'm gonna get up close here. She had a fine doll. I'm looking at the lower right text. And then the boy's going by the door. Her brothers called Nurse Nancy as they raced uh, past her door, but they never had time to stop and play. They were always too busy with big boy games. So that's the kind of book this is. <laughs> that's how it is in their book. Mm-hmm. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash diffs. Hey, listen, team, spring cleaning. Hey, perfect time to get intentional about what goes in your space to review whether everything you have is optimally functional, like, say, your couch. I know I'm spending a lot of time on my couch these days. Love me a couch. I need it. I consider it an essential service. Well, Burrow makes couches, and their Burrow couch offers unique features that you will not find in big box furniture store sofas, or even other sofas that uh, you can get online. I think I said stofa, but you know what I meant. Stuff like built-in USB chargers, how about that, so your phone doesn't die whilst you lounge. Get durable fabric that's naturally scratch and stain resistant. Now, now, now brace yourself, because uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on now with this burrow. You can get so many options. It's totally customizable. You pick your fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, the length. And now, you can, uh, of course, add a chaise lounge or an ottoman. We have an ottoman on ours. Uh, you can even get both. We have just the Ottoman. I mean, you know, we're not made of burrow. And this is crazy. There are now three new metal leg options. Be a great name for a band. You can get the new contemporary block arm style, a new leather option in warm tan color. And they have more add-ons like a bolster and lumbar pillows. I'm not entirely sure what those are, but I think they're pillows that go behind you and are comfortable. You can set up a burrow sofa in just minutes. I did. I, I, I bought a burrow with my own money. I set it up with my own hands. Took out the boxes. Boom. Done. Burrow. They're easy to move. You can add or remove seats as needed. And Burrow are more than just sofas. The Genius Sleep Kit transforms your comfy sofa into an even comfier bed. They now offer a collection of affordable rugs, coffee tables, love seats, and ottomans. Jeez, they are out of control. Uh, like I say, even before they were a sponsor of the show, I had bought a Burrow. They've been on our short list of possible couch options for years. And we finally just, uh, you know, bit the bullet and bought a Burrow. Hmm, it's a lot of bees. Uh, love the burrow recommended. Wish I can get a, a leather one in tan. Send me one of those burrow. Just, just send it to me. Hey, here's the thing right now. You get $75 off your purchase and free one week shipping at burrow.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash diffs for $75 off your order. Our thanks to burrow for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Should we jump in? We got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, that's my 
Uh, well, I think that's all my uh, medical slash hypochondria stuff. I remember last time, a couple of shows ago, maybe I was complaining about my cold. Oh yeah, I did want to ask about that. I was I was I was ready to say that at the top, and then I lost track. But yeah, you you've had two episodes now. Uh, what you on Earth call four weeks, where you've been getting sick and then getting over sick or something. Or I'm something. pretty convinced. I'm pretty convinced it's mostly just allergies now. But let me tell you, you like, thought I know, you I thought you might have the thing. I know, cause cause like I'm watching the symptoms. I'm going. I got the symptom checklist. You know, like everyone else <laughs> on the internet, and you got the little checklist of like here's how you can tell cold or flu or corona. Here are the symptoms: the common symptoms, uh, uncommon symptoms, frequent symptoms. And I'm going on the things like, well, I'm safe because I've got the. It's either allergies or a cold, right? But then I started to get more and more of the symptoms in the other column. But at this point, like, uh, you know, I've it's got to be allergies because it's been going on for so long, and without without, without a major change, change either way. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like, this is just this is just allergies. But fine, so fine, it's allergies. And I know this is the, the ridiculous thing to complain about. Who cares? Like, you're healthy, you're happy, everyone's in your house. Like, you should be counting your blessings. And I am. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of miserable every single day during this type of crisis to wake up stuffy mm-hmm. and feeling gross and coughing all day long. And just like, you know, it, for weeks, for weeks, like... I really wish I could enjoy this isolation and, and you know, being home, but it just being quote unquote sick, even though I'm probably not sick, it's probably just allergies. Yeah. It's just making me miserable. And and then it makes you, you know, the hypervigilance, I can't even keep it up anymore with like, like watching the symptoms. Maybe, you know, you think it's just allergies, but watch it every day. It's like, oh, you don't have the, I don't even have the energy for that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy for hypochondria. I'm just, I'm exhausted. <laughs> it does take, it does take a lot of, that is, that is the kind of thing that as an anxious person, I can tell you. That hypochondria is the kind of thing that thrives in an environment of plenty. In some ways, I feel like we're like, you're like, yeah, I haven't got time for the pain. Like, I, I, cannot, I cannot burn cycles on my imaginary things right now. I have too many things that are less imaginary right now. But yeah, it does, it, it's weird. It's, um, God, who was it? One of the continental philosophers, maybe John Locke, had a thought experiment about, you know, if you're in a room with somebody whom you haven't seen in years, a dear friend, and you're happy to while away an hour, you know, catching up with them, and you're sad when the hour is over, would it matter to you to learn that the door had been locked the whole time? Something like that. I'm sure I got some aspect of all of that wrong, but you, you take the gist. And it's like, it's, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like that now, where like, oh, the door is kind of locked. Uh, ugh. I, <laughs> for the first time in my life, I like want to go out to lunch. <laughs> I never, I love not being around people. I love, I mean, I really do. Ha ha. I know that's already an old joke, but I really like not being around people. But uh, now I really, I want it. And my kid's being such a good sport about it. I don't know how long this is going to last, but it's cool that she FaceTimes with her friends. Um, it's, it's, uh, they did the first Zoom-ish thing today. And she, all her friends were taking pictures of the screen that they saw and sending it to each other on their phones. And she's like, I think this should be our yearbook cover because it's just all these tiny little faces <laughs> and tiny little windows. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that uh, all the time, like we talked about this on, uh, as we record this, it's Tuesday, March 24th. Uh, so the, we recorded it back to work this morning where, you know, I was just saying like, I mean, it really is still kind of like fun snow day for us. Like I can't speak for anybody else, but for us, it's pretty straightforward. My wife's still working her ass off. But like, you know, we, we're not, I don't think we're getting on each other's nerves you know, we've still got food. There's things to do. I don't even want to jinx this. The internet still works. You know, mm. like what happens when that starts? Like I saw that something tonight that uh, YouTube is going to be reportedly YouTube is lowering 
the video quality of their videos to try and help with the overloading of the internet as they, I, I guess, you know more than I do, but I imagine they're redistributing resources and figuring out places that need more, uh, what I will phrase as need more internet than they needed two weeks ago, moving that around. But <clears throat> I mean, can you imagine what this would be like without screens and the internet? Woof. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have to go to work then. <laughs> well, save it for the show. Cause I, I, I am really curious to hear about that. And I think actually, I know you don't like to help people as much as I do, but I think it, it would be interesting to talk about what, you know, I, I'm not any font of wisdom, but I do, we both do have some experience with this because it's not as easy or obvious as you think. It's way different than doing it for one day. When you know that this is going to be the thing you're doing for at least the medium term, I, I think it has to change how you look at what you do, how you do it, and what kind of structures are beneficial versus what kinds are less beneficial. Yeah, obviously we're in a weird situation here where, you know, as has been pointed out by almost every third person who talks about this topic, uh, if you're having difficulty during this time, consider that it may not be because working from home is difficult, but because we're in the middle of a global pandemic and that's difficult. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, it, you know, this is not ideal circumstances under which well, it's not to... like the Let's put it this way. It's not like the office is getting painted for exactly nine, day, nine business days. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that, so that is a factor here. And that's, I mean, that's a good opportunity for me to rewind to the story I was started to tell before of my first, you know, out of college uh, job telecommuting, right? So part of the reason I could pull that off was I had started working for this place when I was still a senior in college, right? And they like just as a part-time thing. And they made me an offer to be a full-time employee upon graduation. Wow, nice. Right? Despite the fact that I, you know, I'm leaving to go to Georgia uh, for my wife's school. But wait, did you, wait, where do you want, BU? Is that where you went? Yep. And your lady went to like Emory, right? No. Where'd <laughs> she, she go? Went to BU. She went to BU as well. That's where we met. Oh, sorry. I thought that she went to like a college, a university, as you say, in uh, Atlanta. She went there for a jobby job? No, 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 no. So I, mean, but, I know, oh, I know about the mat and all of that, but I don't know why in my head I thought you were there because she was going to be going to a college there in Georgia. Yeah, sorry, I don't know where Emory is. I thought it was another Boston area school. Is no, Emory in Georgia. No. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, we both both went to BU, and then uh, we both graduated, and she was going to graduate school at Georgia Tech. Okay, there you go. That's the the uh, the the flying buzzers, uh, yellow jackets. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so. I, that was nice. Uh, they, they, you know, I, they gave me the job offer and I said, well, you know, I can't accept this because I'm going to Georgia. They said, well, don't worry. Well, you can work from us from Georgia. Um, so it was, cool. it was, I mean, this was the dot com ish days, 97, right? Mm -hmm. So dot com startup. I was literally the only developer in the entire company when I was hired. So they went from zero to one developer. At first I was part time and then they had a full time developer. Who was your boss? The CEO. Wow. Really? <laughs> I mean, it, was, it, it was like a five-person company. Oh, CEO, my goodness. And so you're the, the full-stack developer who's... Yes, yes. Wow. Okay. I am the, I am the developer. Then there was like the uh, the CEO, and then there was like the, the biz dev, Dave everything else guy. person, and mm -hmm. then there was a graphics person. So what was that? Four? Yeah, I guess Is this the e-book company? No. Okay. Uh, this is the company that did cartalk.com. Oh, where you invented the uh, spreadsheet. No. Where I implemented the boss button. You, you, what's his name? John Borland, John McAfee. Well, he, you didn't invent it. You're not Mitch Kapor, but you did invent the I idea of hitting a button. the boss button. Did you say you nipple printed it? I implemented oh, the boss okay. button on our website. Among many other things, I also made a terrible uh, internet forum without a database behind it because we didn't have any databases. Wait, did it just write to a text file? <laughs> a lot of text files it would write to, not just one text file. 
Oh my oh, god. That okay. Well. It was great. <laughs> that sounds very robust. <laughs> I mean, it was robust. It was just I mean, horrendously. For, if it was low enough volume, no, not it enough. was not low volume. It was robust. The problem, the problem it had was that it was slow. So you'd post something, and it would take a while before you would see what you posted, as in like a, a minute. How did it not clobber other things? Because I'm a good programmer. Oh, I see. <laughs> Jesus, went, a switch or an array? I did, How did, I did you go do to that? school for this. You know, you went to school <laughs> for 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 text files. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I totally did go to school for this. Um, so. Uh, it was possible for me to do my job remotely. I knew the, th- the three other people involved, so I wasn't an unknown. So I went down to Georgia. My wife went to graduate school and got her master's. And during that entire time, I never went back to Boston. So I was telecommuting, at, you know, remotely. Can I just for... say, good for them? That's wild. Because, like, well, as... not so good because they paid me nothing. But oh, well, but <laughs> I mean, but like, they didn't feel the need to like. Have you come and tag home to make sure that you're working? No, because, well, first of all, they, could, they couldn't afford it. I okay. couldn't afford to fly because I had just gotten married and we had no money. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I could barely afford the, the rent on our, you know, one-bedroom uh, apartment in Georgia, right? So there was no, I couldn't, like, oh, I'll just fly back up. They couldn't fly me back up because they had no money. Because, uh, you know, again, a startup with, you know, just a very little bit of seed capital. Nobody was getting paid a lot of money. And uh, as it turns out, the public radio uh, world is not flush with cash. You're telling me there's not a lot of money for uh, making a website, a show, a show on public radio to hire a big shot company to make them a website. Yeah. Yeah. In, so, in 1997, to be clear. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, no, we just it was entirely remote. And this was my first experience with any job that wasn't like a part time. I mean, I, I'd had computer jobs in college. Like I worked at the, like the help desk and, you know, work for the IT support and, you know, all, all that stuff type of stuff. But that's just like stuff you do as a student. Right. Um, I worked in a couple of the labs at school, helping people with their computer stuff, all that, all that stuff. But this was my first quote unquote real job with a real salary, with a real, you know, full-time employment, not hourly. Uh, and the, the, very quickly in that two and a half years, I think I wish I knew I should have recorded more of this stuff. I stuff stuff from my own past because I didn't write it down. I have no idea what time anything happened. But sometime in that year and a half, two years that we were down there that it took my wife to get her master's. It's the only way I could date this to say you started when and what date does your diploma say? Okay, I guess that's how long we were there. I totally fried myself because that's what you do when you're young and stupid. Like I would spend all day on the computer. We didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. I would play video games. I would program. I would play video games. I would program. Like, I would never leave the... And you're still uh, coming out of, like, just also to, to... But, like, so this is obviously the hugest piece of what you're saying is germane to homework. But the other part of it is you're also coming out of that super high energy youthfulness period where most of us were able to do... One way to put it is an all-nighter or several all-nighters, right? You come out of that age of... In, um, the age of invincibility into this like, oh, is this going to be sustainable for me to do this forever for this amount of money? That doesn't yeah. seem healthy. I mean, it seems so much easier because I didn't have to go to class. I was basically doing all the same stuff, but I didn't have to go to class. Like there was no school. This was the only thing I had to do. So I, I, when I was in school, I had I was going to all my classes and I had this part-time job and I was screwing around programming and I was playing video games. And now I took away all the classes, but then I just had the job and the screwing around in the video games. And, and we had a dog, so I'd walk the dog every day. All right. Eventually we had a dog. Right. But other than that, I never left the you know, we'd, we'd go out on weekends and do things and stuff like that. But during the week, she'd go to school and I would be there typing away. Uh, and that's when I totally, you know, fried myself and destroyed my wrist with RSI and had to take like two weeks off of work. Like, so here's the job that I'm telecommuting for that I don't even go back for. And, at, at, you know, at a certain point, I was probably maybe a year in or maybe it was less than a year. I had to say, look, I can't 
work anymore because I literally can't type. Like I just woke up one day and my hands felt like there was like... I was going to say this. I I was going to ask, is this when the seeds were most heavily planted for what would become your RSI? No, this is this is the this is the uh, defining because event, of what right? you just described of yeah. like constant availability, constant access. Your time is now going into this keyboard and mouse. And it was yeah. So the work I was only working like a normal number of hours, but then all of my quote unquote play time was also mm-hmm. on that very same computer typing. I guess this is when I was getting into writing the Ars Technica articles, and I was playing video games all the time on the computer. Like I was on that computer like every waking moment practically, yeah. right? Uh, and. That's too much. Like, and I had done that my whole life, but you know, you start to become an older person in your in your twenties. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that anymore. And so I woke up one day, and it felt like there was like spider webs, or like like I don't know. It felt like spider webs, or like some terrible, stiff, painful thing running through my entire wrist and hands, and they couldn't move anymore because they were all jammed up with all the spider webs. Oh God! And I was like, well, uh, and I had to like you know, fumbled through the keyboard. I, I remember grabbing a pencil and using the pencil eraser to type out an email that says, I literally can't type anymore. I think I'm going to have to take some time off of work. And to their credit, they were understanding and said, you know, uh, well, all right, you are our only programmer, so uh, feel better. I'm pretty sure I still got paid for the week or two that I took <laughs> off. Different times. Yeah. But during that week or two, I mean, I'm sure they were just thinking of how they were going to hire someone else to replace me, but luckily I, it came out of it, you know. So during that work or two, I spent a long time thinking about, okay, well, what am I going to do for a living? Because obviously I can't be a programmer. Uh, so what other what other jobs are available to me? Like, I could, <laughs> could I, do I want to be a teacher? Telemarketer, <laughs> federal bikini like inspector. What, <laughs> like, what jobs don't involve being on a computer? Like, because I, I kept coming back to teacher because I'm like, well, you'd be in front of a classroom. You're not really typing all the time, but I'm like, but I don't really like kids. I'd love to see you teach Pearl and like you would just use your all your finger your fingers for all the like quotation marks and stuff and the slashes yeah, and the things like I, that. I thought about so many different things. Like I just, you know. Anyway, that was a very that was a very dark time in my life. And that's where I learned the very simple lesson that you like you just said, you're not invincible. You can't spend all day on the computer. You can't ignore everything your body is telling you about how tired it is or how because it's not like I woke up one day and I couldn't move my hands and there was nothing before that. There was plenty before that, but being dumb and young, I would just say, ah, yeah, but my hands feel a little stiff. I'll just keep going. Well, it feels a little bit twinge. You know, you just, you just, you know, you're in denial, right? Because you, and you also do heal pretty quickly. You're Spider-Man basically when you're younger than 25. Right. But not entirely. So every day would be a little bit worse. And by the end of the day, you'd feel bad, but you just kind of power through it. Like, you know, I'll be fine, whatever. Right. And then one day you wake up and your body just says, nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. You've, you've crossed, it was a big discontinuity, whereas before that, I was just powering through it and ignoring him, pretending it doesn't exist. And after that, it was like, you, like I said, I, I typed out the email to my company by holding a pencil and using the eraser to hit the keys in my, in my crippled fist. <laughs> Where's your God now? <laughs> so luckily, because yeah. I was young and in a couple of weeks, I got back to the point where I felt okay again and I could work. And that changed everything about how I worked, you know, it changed like, Okay, now you're going to work a certain amount of time on the computer. You're going to, you know, I'd read up everything that I could read up. I got the the RSI book that I always recommend to people. It's probably out of date by now, but I still like it by uh, Pascarelli. Uh, I forget what it's called. I'll find it. Um, A repetitive strain injury, it's called. A computer user's handbook or something like that. Anyway, and just started to, you know, pay attention to what my body was saying, budget my time on the computer, say, like, this this is how many keystrokes you have per day. This is what you have to spend it on for your quote-unquote career. This is how much you have left over for anything fun. 
take breaks, uh, type less hard, you get better ergonomics, like all the things that you, you know, I did an entire podcast episode on uh, the Pragmatic Podcast where I talked about RSI. John Chigi, love that. that guy. I did a show yeah. with him. Put, put a link to the show notes sure that one mm-hmm. to get an uh, expanded version of this. Uh, all this is to say that I, that was like, I mean, the, 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 everything I just described is like within a, less than a two-year period. Within a less than a two-year period, I had gone to the great world of telecommuting. It's going to be great. I loved everything about it. I didn't mind not leaving the house, you know, and I just doing all the things and do, doing my programming and having my tech hobbies and writing for Ars Technica and playing video games. And yeah, that just, you know. If somebody, if somebody had asked you, is a leading question, but if somebody had asked you at the, before that two-year period kicked off, if you could imagine where you ended up two years later, I, what would you have said? It wasn't even, you know, it didn't even enter my mind. I knew RSI was a thing, but mm-hmm. it was a thing, uh, you know, again, you're young. It's a thing that happens to other people, not you. Well, it's what happens to old people. Yeah, or old not even old, sinners. just like, just other people like, boy, I'm glad I don't have that problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a pretty common way to look at it. It's like, is that, it's that, it's, a, it's a kind of, um, I don't know, uh, chronological libertarianism, where you assume that you are the way you are when you're young because you've done everything right. And everybody else, I really do believe that the people think this. I, I think I used to think this. And or you just, you just assume that you're you're blessed and you're lucky. You're just like, boy, I dodged that bullet, huh? Didn't I? Like, I'm glad I'm immune to that problem. I don't know, man. I, I think it's, I think it is, if we're honest, um, darker than that. That there is something like, God, why, why are old people so weird? Why do they smell weird? Why are they, why are they, why do they look like that? Why do they wear hats? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, don't, do you even want to be cool? Do you even listen to punk rock or whatever? And like, I, 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 I think there's a big wad of something here to a lot of what we're talking about here, which is, you know, stuff looks a certain way from a remove. You make a pretty early decision about what that thing is. And then once you find yourself on the doorstep of that thing, you're going to have to put away a lot of what you thought this thing was and see it more for what it really is. Whether that's working at home, whether that's needing to take care of your health, uh, whether that's needing to realize that, believe it or not, even you young person only has so many keystrokes between them and death. And like, how are you going to spend those keystrokes? Like, how are you going to spend those minutes? Like I used to say, like, you think about that, the jar full of marbles that represents every weekend you have before your kid leaves for college. Every weekend, another marble leaves that thing. And like, you know, that sounds like like a very silly and abstract and morose idea. But like, just because you accept that that is reality, um, does not make you weak or does not make you morose. It makes you realistic to say, wow, if I did know that I only had so many more uh, days here doing the thing, I would, if I really thought about that, I wouldn't just become morose about death. I would become pickier about how I spend my time now, even if it's stuff I quote unquote have to do. And I think that's part of the key is realizing that you have agency in a lot of what you do. And now you may have more agency than you ever wanted. And by the way, when we get to Merlin's portion of this, the parts of this you think are easy and difficult might surprise you based on what actually happens. Um, Spoiler, communication is going to get real different for how you deal with your team in a lot of ways. The the work that you do, blessedly, may be very easy to continue in the way that you do it, but stuff like communication um, in, in all kinds of different ways is so much more, it becomes so much more complex when you're working remotely. Yeah, so I, I'm, I, in many ways, I'm glad that I had this, you know, live fast, die young, you know, crisis early on, because it changed how I thought about all the things that you just mentioned, like, because I didn't, you know, there, there are many, if you were to look at my timeline with the wisdom of, you know, my, my current self and say, look, even if that hadn't happened to you, lurking out in your future were other crises related to the stuff that you were just mentioning. 
that I would have just rammed right into. But because I had this very early, very dramatic physical crisis, it made me rethink all that stuff. Exactly what you're saying. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like it, it makes you reframe your entire life, especially as a 20 year old to say, I have to change my behavior. I can't just do whatever my brain thinks is the thing I want to do. I have to change my behavior and think forward to say, even though you want to do this thing now, you have to budget your time for that thing. Because as you said, you only have a certain amount of certain amount of leisure time each day, a certain amount of work time, a certain amount of rest time. You have to budget time for when am I going to eat? When am I going to rest? When I, you can't just say, I'm just going to go, 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 collapse of exhaustion, go, go, go. Like that's not, that's not a plan for life. Right. So because right. I had this crisis, everything in my life that fell into that thing, whether it's, you know, relationships, exercise, resting, food, like all that stuff. Once you have to start, start budgeting any of it, like what I had to budget was how frequently and how long without a break can I type? And that cascades to everything else in my life. OK, if I'm making a schedule of that, what else do I do during the day? Oh, I eat. Oh, I exercise. Oh, I walk the dog. Oh, go shopping. Go Like and now you're planning ahead and that comes down to your work day as well how much time do you spend programming versus how much time do you spend an email versus how much time do you spend in meetings you know like you know in, in a way it was a blessing to have this terrible crisis and it was i'm glad that i was able to get myself first of all I'm glad i was able to come out of it because honestly i didn't have any real good plans for other careers <laughs> like i thought about it a lot but it was a very depressing thought exercise because i was like this is really the thing i want to do and i enjoy it and it's gonna suck if i can't um, or, and I can't do anything else uh, good, but the once, once I was able to do it again, I didn't take that for granted and that, you know, sort of spread out into everything else. And so I, I think I dodged a lot of the crises that you were just mentioning of like, you know, dealing, dealing with people remotely successfully dealing with yourself, managing your own work in some ways I, I was immune to a lot of those. And that like, I know a lot of people who, uh, miss being in the office and miss the contact with humans. And I'm not that type of person. Like I'm ideally suited to work from home. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so in the many years after that, where I worked in offices, I worked in city offices, I worked in suburban offices, I worked in everything in between. I telecommuted part-time I telecommuted full-time, you know, that balance has shifted around for my whole career. I've always wanted to telecommute more. Uh, for a while I was telecommuting one or two days a week, at particular jobs. I would telecommute to be able to take the kids to and from daycare when they were little, like just arranging that schedule. So I've always done it. And as I've done it, I think I've never had another crisis like the RSI one, because in general, not that I'm good at it, but that I'm, my, I'm temperamentally suited to it. And I'm aware of all of the challenges, even though I may not be that great at wrangling them they don't catch me by surprise right mm -hmm. so you're, they're you not going to have um you have you're closer to what david allen calls mom like water where you're not going to be unnecessarily upset for several days because one thing went differently than you or somebody else had expected and there's nothing is there's no for me personally there's no cumulative buildup of like oh i can't stand not seeing people and just being in these four walls i don't have that problem i like, do not uh, either <laughs> like i mean some people do but, but like i'm, I'm temperamentally suited to this type of thing mm -hmm. and this type of work in general, like especially when I was doing hardcore programming, doing more sort of managerial stuff and, and doing meetings. Thankfully, the technology has gotten a lot better. Um, oh, especially God, these so days. Much better. Just, I mean, just since the heyday of WebEx a few years ago, I can't wow. the was there really a heyday of WebEx? <laughs> sure was. I sure watched a lot of people try to make it work. Oh God, I use WebEx for so many years. I'm so John, glad I'm off John Syracuse, it now. I have, this is going to sound like either silly or obvious. Um, but um, I have been in way more situations 
I don't want to be unkind. I've been in way more situations where enterprise uh, telecommunication software didn't work than did. Like where they brought in that one guy and he still couldn't fix it. Or like you just spend half of the meeting and I would just sit there like mentally calculating what it was costing to try and get somebody's terrible, terrible PowerPoint to be able to be seen across campus or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh. It, we're, we're in our company. Uh, we have a large uh, portion of our company is in India. Mm-hmm. So you got geography, you got time zones, and you got bad internet. And just you can imagine how that goes. Like if you think it's hard to get a PowerPoint to be able to see everyone in the next building can see it, try arranging meetings that are convenient times for both the U.S. and India, and getting that to work. <sighs> this sounds straight out of Silicon Valley. We um at a time when our when our dot com was kind of melting down. I mean, the, the number of terrible decisions just was multiplying. And someday I should write a pamphlet about it because, boy, was, did I ever see some stuff. Um, one of the more, like, kind of innocuous, if still annoying things was when they hired this uh, – I've told you about this guy. They hired this guy as the the new CTO. And he's the, he was meant to be the sort of CTO who's old-school Bay Area money, wears his pants up real high with an expensive – um, Bell finds a way in almost every conversation to mention that he knows Craig Cachiso from uh, Jefferson Starship. Like, like tall hair. You know, he looks a lot like the guy with the horse head in his bed, Mr. Waltz. So imagine Mr. Waltz, but with uh, acid wash jeans and, and a re- real high waist. Um, now, just some quick factoids. I think I've mentioned th- this to you before. Um, you know how I get obsessed sometimes with a person, the way I got obsessed with Dave. I was obsessed with this guy. And I would, I would notice, try to notice everything I could about him. Um, this was the guy, this is the, what was, what was it he said? This was, I know I'll, I'll mangle this now because this was a true thing in 1999. I, I think it was something along the lines of he didn't, he got very confused if you sent him an email attachment, but he liked it, the idea of it and thought maybe it was something that we should in, invent and make part of the company. Things like that. Or things were like, I would deliberately walk by his office over and over and just see him. If you ma- imagine me leaning forward with my left elbow on the table my right hand on the mouse over here and staring straight ahead at my vertical sonic view or whatever, just staring at the same screen of Outlook messages. He wasn't looking at a message. He was looking at the screen of messages. He wasn't scrolling. He was looking through it? I think he might have done a speed on us. Like he Hmm. replaced, you know what I mean? Like maybe he dropped in Mm -hmm. a looping Mm -hmm. thing. Is that Um, speed? Speed's one of them that did that, I think. Yeah. Why am I getting that wrong? I don't know. That was the but the bus, though, right? Speed was the bus. Um, they might have, you know, I think I think uh, Benji might have done it in Mission Impossible too. I'll ask Todd. Hmm. Um, but just one that comes straight to mind there, and I, I know I've told you the story. I've told Dan this story, but like, so they brought this guy in, and I mean, okay, so I, I'm, you know, me, I'm trying to grow as a person. So like, I look at what happened, and I think, okay, there's this. Um, the, the same people who, uh, Hummer Winblad, the same people who funded pets.com, fu- uh, funded us. We had, a, so we had a former NBA star who would come into the office with his dog and hold court to see how his money was being spent. $37 million was our, um, series A or I guess seed round, whatever. But the first round that we got from VC was 37 million, which seemed like a pretty princely sum of money for a place that just basically needed a cold fusion license and some servers. But anyway, whatever. We hired all these people. And then, so they brought this guy in. And I think, if I'm being generous, I think what they wanted here was like a relationships guy, CTO. In other words, like he could, do you remember the style 
of like, okay, we're going to do a co-brand and a rev share and white label this. And like Mm -hmm, the kind of person mm -hmm. who would come in and like, no, it's not enough for him to just buy this many seats of office. He also, there also has to be stuff where like, yeah, we get so, oh, by the way, mortgage.com has started making their own application.cfm app. And so we're going to trade each other a hundred thousand dollars a month or something. You're like, Mm -hmm. what? What? I think he was supposed to be, I think, I'm not being generous, but I think he was supposed to be that kind of guy. Now, John, when I when I sound like I'm being terrible, when I talk about managers wanting things they can manage, and I sound like I'm being awful about that wonderful class of workers in America, this is the kind of guy, he was Trump for Trump, because what he would do is he would have a cross-country meeting of every single person in, that worked in the tech part. So that meant my boss in Menlo Park, you know, so we were the web, the web team and kind of the web business meets web, you know, management, product management, web management, whatever you want to call it, team. Back in Florida, you had all the, um, all the cold fusion people, uh, et cetera, and the high end designers, et cetera. So anyway, our room in Menlo Park, and you can guess what that was costing to rent, our room in Menlo Park, their big room in Florida and his big innovation first, one of the first things he did, um, after letting you know that he knew somebody in Jefferson airplane was that he bought a, a, a video camera thing for them and a video camera thing for us so that he could have a Wednesday three hour long meeting, all hands technical meeting every Wednesday for three hours, like nine to 12. And it was, it was so excruciating in so many ways, not least because all of us on our side and, and you know, we didn't, when you have these different kinds of, you know, not business units, but different groups, you know, you get a certain culture and you get a certain beef with a certain group at a certain time about how a certain thing is going. We weren't all the best of friends every day. It was stuff we, we had to really work through stuff and there were territorial fights. But, but one thing we were all together on was how much it sucked to sit there, 18 people over here, 30 people over there, just staring at each other, not working while this man talked or listened to somebody talk to him only. And it was so... It was so deflating, and we would all just sit there scarfing down fistfuls of M&Ms stressfully as we knew our stock options were dying over where the foosball table was. And it was, it was we, I mean, we sucked. We weren't good at it, but, like, we really wanted to go get, get to the work. Like, just get in there and, like, yeah, let me go cut up these buttons, you know? Let me go in there and, like, write the spec for this thing. Like, whatever it's going to be. Like, let me just, let's just please, can half of us just go back to work? Because we're literally in th- the thrall of our boss's boss, who's just having us sit in a room and stare at each other. Now, I mean, maybe this isn't directly germane to, to, to right now, but I think it kind of is. Because I know my wife, in addition to my wife, and having, in addition to having so much work to do right now for the medical school she works at, she has to just be in a lot. She was on a five-hour call today, my friend. She was on a call from noon till 5 p.m. And um, she could do other stuff. She, of course, she had it muted. Some people still don't know how to mute. We'll get to that. Um, but that was five hours of her time was like, just make sure your phone's plugged in because this is going to be the call. At one point, I think this is pretty near the end, and I have told this story, but, but at one point, uh, I noticed my boss is, is up to something. He's my super cool boss, Giles, was up to something. And uh, I think at that point he was in, he might have been in Florida and I was in Menlo, but... I can't believe he pulled this off. But while Tom was up there, going off about his stuff, Giles slowly opens his hand so that the camera can see in green dry erase marker, he's written, kill me. 
I was going to say I knew what he was going to write on his hand. Let me die. Because as soon as you said three-hour meeting. (laughs) This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Come on, guys, it's Squarespace. Get on it. I can't believe they're still doing ads. How is it that people don't all have the Squarespace? Get the Squarespace. Well, what do you want to do? Well, whatever it is, tell me. Tell me. Hmm? Okay. Yeah? Yeah? All right. But they can do that. Squarespace can do that. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, other kinds of internet content. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do what you need to do. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about and no upgrades are needed. Yeah, duh worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. Friends, they have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. All of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Uh, boy, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much more I can say. I've been with Squarespace forever. Uh, I use Squarespace for the Roderick on the Line podcast. I use it for two of my personal sites. I've set numerous friends up with Squarespace, and I'm always saying to people, listen, I love you. I don't want to be your webmaster, but I do want you to be happy. So please get off doing this yourself and, you know, basically making your own ketchup and lining your own breaks and whatever analogy for metaphors, get off it, get on the Squarespace. They make it so easy. And it's honestly so fun. Setting up a website, maintaining a website. If it had always been this fun, I wouldn't have had a job. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad glad it came along later. Uh, If it was earlier in my career, I uh, wouldn't have a career. And where would we be then? Ask yourself. Now, here's what you need to know. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-A-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, you use that offer code diffs, right? 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And yes, to answer your question, it will show your support for John Syracuse. So once again, that's squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. And that's 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. So that's, okay, why am I saying that here? Well, it's a great anecdote. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about both of our experience on this stuff and like how we got to where we are. But I guess, I guess what I'm, I, I, just in terms of laying down some, some markers here, I mean, I think it's, there's all kinds of things that you can anticipate, you can there are many things that you can and cannot anticipate about this. There are the, there are the things that everybody likes, which is like my, my I like that my my lady and I both like that she telecommutes one day a week and she plans her week around it. Because yeah, if she does need to sneak in a run or a p- early pickup, she can do that. But that's also when she knows, unless one of her staff can't figure out how to open a door or something, she is going to get so much accomplished. She'll get more done. This is, this is the upside to me. This is like, I hope we can get both get with this. You will have, you are, you will have the potential to have all of the things being equal. The most amazing two hour work sesh that you will, can even imagine, like you may get more done in an hour or three than you get done in a week, some weeks. And that is, I think, unquestionably the upside, which is like, if you can tell your family, like leave you alone for a while, you get to go be heads down on working out this, this thing you want to work out. Um, this has been great for me this way. I've got two new projects that I'm working on right now, spending four, five, six hours a day on, and it's really nice to disappear into that. It feels really good. Not that much every day, 
But do, do you get my back on that? The, the one that I, it seems like everybody can appreciate and may already be appreciating is that all the things being equal, you will liberate pockets of time as you understand how to apportion and utilize the schedule that you have for the work that you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that the one that everyone immediately notices, like, oh, all this time I was spending commuting, that's free time back. And, you know, it's just there's more hours in the day. And so I can get the same amount of stuff done. And also the idea of not being bothered, because if you, especially if you're, you know, if you're not way, in the middle of Way fewer interruptions. Like if you're, if you're on the way to the break room or the elevator or the bathroom, you're going to get way fewer interruptions. Yeah. And if not being in the middle of a global pandemic, ideally your entire family is not also stuck in the house with you. So under normal telecommuting conditions, yes, you do get fewer uh disturbances and it really does depend on your job too like if you when i was just a plain old developer uh for sure i got uh, a lot uh, you know a lot more sort of deep concentration uh done when i was at home uh but as as you have to attend more meetings being at home does not save you from having your entire day swiss cheesed by meetings Mm -hmm. like there's nothing you know it i don't think there's any advantage when i look at my calendar and i see just like just you know block gap block gap block gap block gap it doesn't matter that i'm home you there's no way especially for programming that you can sort of get into the zone and get any deep thought done in the half an hour blocks you have between your your 45 minute to an hour meetings um Mm -hmm. arguably it's better because you don't have to walk from meeting room to meeting room in your giant campus and you're not running around but you still can't ever get into the zone but uh but yeah if you do actually have a, a kind of job where you're not constantly in meetings it's great but the caveat i will say is and this is, you know, where you get into the, the more obvious tips for working from home. You do actually have to have a work environment that allows you to be productive. So whatever it is that you do, if you need a big area of a desk to do your job, you need to have a big desk. Mm-hmm. If you need a computer, you need to have a computer. If you need, if you like to use a mouse or a trackpad or a trackball, you didn't have those things at home set up as well or better than you have them in the office. And people think that sounds silly. It's like, oh, I've got a computer at home. What's the, what's the deal? It's like, is it as well configured for your job at the office? And they might say, <laughs> if, if John doesn't say it, I will. And like, if you're doing that at the dining room table, uh, yeah. really make sure those elbows are higher or, than your hands. <laughs> or, or on a tray table in front yes. of your, your, into you know, your you television. I mean, you know, most people who just sit down at the breakfast bar may not be in the most ergonomic position yeah. for the next right. couple weeks. No, don't do it on your couch. Don't do it in your bed. You need an actual place to work. And if you don't like consciously set it up, you'll be miserable. Aside from all the injuries and stuff, like it, as crappy as your work is, chances are good that even in today's hellscape of open offices, you probably have a desk and a chair. Mm-hmm. And that desk is probably bigger than a tray table. And this is going to vary so much from person to person, household to household, that I don't want to, I don't want to get entirely wrapped up in the economics of this, but let's just, you know, stipulate that this will be different from, for everybody. But, um, my friend Max Temkin does something that not every, very few people can do, but he does it, and I think it's really smart, which is he has basically exactly replicated, uh, I don't want to say one impersonates the other, his work area at home and his work area at his house. I'm uh, sorry, at the one, one at the office and the one at the house are essentially as identical as they can be so that he can he can just go straight into whatever he's doing. Now, that's, that, I'm not saying that has to go for everybody. Like, if you have to work at the table where your kids are going to have lunch, that changes. But there are a number of ways that we can say, hey, look, nobody's going to be perfect at this or happy at this or good at this on their first day. But there are definitely, there tend to be patterns that are more positive in this direction than that direction. And, like, for example, my wife um, has... Um, 
uh, with with my you know offer and uh, happiness, like taking over the standing desk. So she's got the standing desk is all her stuff now. Boy, she's made it real nice. And she's got her stuff. She's got a couple laptops there. She's got her phone. She's got charging. She's got all the things. So she has an area. We're fortunate enough. Again, we have this, this luxurious 900 square foot house where she can go. And now that's where she goes. She closes the door to the bedroom during the day. And that's where she's working. And we don't bother her. So I guess what, what the one I'm trying to tease out, the pattern I'm trying to tease out here is, um, pattern is to the extent possible, have have an area that you can walk to and away from with equal ease to the extent possible. At, at the other end of that, like if you want to travel real light, you could just make sure that laptop always goes back in the bag. And you know what? For a few weeks, I'm only going to use that laptop for work. I'm going to try that. Maybe I'll use my phone at night, right? But what am I getting at? Replication of like an efficient setup. To get it the way you want it to be however you want it to be. That's a good pattern. But then also to the extent possible, make it something where when you say, that's it, I'm done. Now I'm going to take my pants off and I'm not going to work to the extent possible. Make it something you can also walk away from because I learned, I, you know, I've done many episodes of Back to Work about this. My struggle with that balance, you've got to try and find a balance with that. You can, you can pull it off for a week, like being all loosey-goosey and typing in bed. But if you really, if you want to be able to keep at this for, let's say, beyond Easter, you are really going to want to have a setup that's the way you want that is for work only. Yeah, the tricky thing, I always think that the equipment and the setup is such a big deal. Not that it needs to be fancy, but the, like but most people are in these these days are accustomed to like, oh, in some uh, extenuating circumstances, turns out I had to do a little bit of work stuff from home. Mm-hmm. And so they're already accustomed to doing that. And in those type of situations, it's like, this is not, you know, this is just a thing I'm doing as a one-off temporary thing. Oh, there was an emergency or whatever. So whatever it is that they do there, oh, I pulled out my laptop and I, uh, I'm on the couch. I was watching TV, but now I have the laptop on the couch. Like there's, there's some way in which they work at home as a one-off, right? And the, mm-hmm. the thing that well, happens... There, there would be no need to replicate all of that because I really just need to answer some email and check in this code. Yeah, it's just a, just a quickie one-time thing and it rarely happens and it's fine. But if you ever get to the thing where like, I'm actually going to work from home even just one day a week or something, you can't continue that habit. You need to say well, even now... If you, I mean, you can still have a successful career, but at the very least, let me just be your pal Merlin and say, you're going to waste a lot of time with teardown and setup each time. Like just even like, again dad's favorite the banker's box if you have a banker's box and it's like you know like when the coyote and the um and the what is it the coyote and the dog they check in you know good morning phil good morning you know it's like be able to stick all that stuff in a box and put it over here and then when you're ready bring it bring it back out and now you're hoteling in that area do you know what i mean yeah and and for on the second part of this aside from the equipment the whole idea of like making boundaries for yourself and setting aside time and and having discipline or whatever i that i always picture that as an extension of the, you know, my my RSI crisis of like consciously uh, apportioning your day among various activities in a balance that seems reasonable. Um, I'm less strict about like a lot of, you know, the, the advice that you gave is the most common advice. And I think probably is the advice that is the most helpful for the most people, because I'm not personally like that. I tend not to be as, you know, regimented and say you must have a work time and a home time. Like, well, it's it's like it's like if you want to become Picasso, first learn how to draw like you can't tell it's Picasso, like learn the rules before you break them. Yeah, but 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 I think like from from go, like even if you think you're going to be great at it or whatever, from go have a an allocation uh ratio like have a budget for this amount of time that amount of time that amount of time and if you want to apportion that in a weird way 
go ahead with an awareness, like I just said, that you you know you can't actually divvy thing your life up into five minute increments because you will get nothing done, right? So in reasonable size blocks, however you want to divvy that up, that works with your job and your thing, do that. But do that ahead of time. Because if you don't do that and you just say, "I'll just wing it," I'll just I'll just do what I'll do it by feel, like whatever I feel like. If I feel like working, I'll work. If I feel like not, that's the essence, and that's why everyone says like, "No, you got to go the other way." It's got to be like. Not working, then working, and then not working. Like you can, you can have more than a single block. You can divvy it up mm-hmm. into two or three blocks, right? Don't divvy it up into a thousand, but you have to do that exercise. So do not try to wing it. So have mm-hmm. have a setup and equipment that you take seriously that you can use efficiently. That it's not just like uh, you know whatever. I just uh, like you said the breakfast nook or like on the stool next to my cereal bowl. I have the lap like that's no, that is not scalable. Yeah, and I mean like I, again, I, I I'm just trying to. I have found that over the years, in order for advice to be useful, it, you have to contextualize it and you have to you have to offer something fairly specific. I, giving the advice of do what works for you is not surpassingly helpful. Right. To people. I, I think the important thing is the is the budgeting, the budgeting well, exercise. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to sound like I'm, I'm um, shushing you or something. I meant more to say that you do have to find what does work for you and for your team. That's, that's another piece that yeah. I imagine we'll be getting to is that, you know, just because you're at home now doesn't mean communication frustrations you had at the office are going to go away. Quite the opposite, they could get a lot um, worse. But before we go to something else, though, I, one thing I want to circle back to is um, it's funny how that age 25 comes up for several different things in the popular imagination or, you know, turns out pseudoscience. You know, one of those things is you and I are both kind of pegging that, I think, as this age where we had to um, sort of accept more, we had to accept that there was not a limited amount of everything, whether that's, you know, not sleeping, eating weird, drinking too much. Like there's not an unlimited um, budget for that in your life. But isn't it also funny that that's roughly the time that they say your brain finishes developing? So, I mean, I'm not saying that's the same thing, but I wonder if there's, if there is a thing that a lot of us go through at that age or so when we kind of uh, wake up a little bit. And when you realize that there's a, I'm going to make a slightly lofty uh, point here. Um, So, it's really important that you keep some in the tank for the coming weeks, right? So whatever you were like when you were 21, 22, 20, whatever, whenever you look back at the time and go, wow, I can't believe I did that. Well, good for you, Hakuna Matata. Uh, however old you are, you're, you're older than you're, you've ever been, and now you're getting older is a thing to keep in mind. So really keep some in the tank. Do not let yourself burn out on this stuff, uh, whatever it is that you're doing. And remember that there's a lot of stuff about what's going on right now that at least to my mind says a lot of things are going to get more rather than less stressful, um, was one thing. Um, what was the other lofty thing? Just this notion that I think a, a slight bright light here that I, 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 I'm embarrassed to say this because like I said to Dan, it has become more patriotic neoliberal obligation uh, to to never be happy again or to never see anything as potentially good because that would be counter-revolutionary. Neoliberal, is that the word I want? I don't think so. I What I want to say is this. There are going to be opportunities in the midst of this that you should get your brain ready to consider and then perhaps adapt that are, that are going to be things you hadn't planned on. Right. So like, like now I'm discovering like, it's, it's fun that like we're making meals together. I hadn't fully anticipated that, although I probably could have. And that's become a really fun thing in our family or other different kinds of projects, new kinds of movies we want to watch. Like I say, my kids getting back to play musical instruments more and uh, that's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Keep your eyes open. Uh, keep your heart 
uh, and your eyes and mind open to like a thing that might come along that would be a positive change you hadn't thought about a month ago. Um, and even if you had thought about it a month ago, it would not have been reasonable. I could tell you, based on the feedback I get from people about how they should eat, exercise, and sleep, I don't think anybody out there is doing any of those to the level that they know they should. So in this case, if you discover that there's a little a little thing in your schedule that lets you slightly arrange your sleeping arrangement now that you don't have to get the kids to school or now that you don't have to be there, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, look for opportunities that come along to say, you know what? I discovered I really like an early lunch and then a coffee and a walk, and then I can actually work a little more in the afternoon and I'm not logy. And then I can start start scheduling my meetings, like maybe on these certain days or however it is, just I don't know what your situation is, but like look at this as an opportunity to kind of rediscover whatever your, your career or avocation is and like be able to integrate change that comes out of this tumult to be something that's useful for you in whatever happens as we get through this or as you go back to the way it used to be. Because you may be able to find some really valuable stuff in this about your job and how you do it. Mentioning of like uh, your schedule may have to change to accommodate other people even though you're at home you think you're the master of your own time or whatever that is definitely true of developers because there's a wide variety of like if left to their own devices what hours would you keep and you end up in the situation where like oh everyone's remote and we're all a bunch of developers and now there's literally one hour during the day when we're all awake and operating <laughs> <laughs> like you know so the, like the, not the including event, like including india the event, no, just in the U.S. I'm saying oh, just Jesus. because they sort of keep such weird hours. This is a past jobs that had situations where there are the oh, early birds. Like the, tro- the troglodytes that are like basically like vampires. Yeah, there's the really late night people and there's the really early people and there's the middle of the day people. And you draw this Venn diagram. It's like, when are we all awake and working? And it's a very small window. And that's not entirely tenable. You throw in, you know, India. Like, I mean, my for for, I don't know, half a year now or whatever. My first meeting has been at 7 a.m. And I have one 5 a.m. meeting. Oh, uh, one day a week Cause, oh no because earth it's round earth, and they're on the yeah. other side of it and and it's terrible for them too no, no you know what the thing is john about earth no matter how you slice it you still have to slice it yeah so mm-hmm. so like you know at a certain point like yeah there's the realities of like who are you working with what is their schedule what part of the planet are they on that influences very heavily how you're going to when your meetings are going to be, but still to your point, especially if they're, um, they, you interchangeable, uh, they are ending their day just as you are starting mm-hmm. your day. And that's yep. going to govern all kinds of stuff. And pretty soon we're back to, to a silly season and trying to do some kind of, you know, uh, Newtonian physics with how we make the, everybody get on the same page. Yeah. And yeah. And having that sort of like that handoff and the overlap, the lady Hawk times we've talked about that before, like I mean, they're there, mm-hmm. the sun is setting they're turning into a hawk and i'm turning into a lady i forget oh that, right i do remember he changed that. into a wolf right she changed from she was a hawk and a lady i thought i thought he turned into i thought he turned into ferris bueller no he no ferris bueller was always the same he at night he became a wolf and then at, okay. the, at night she became a woman and day she was a hawk and david bowie's the, the one in the dark crystal uh labyrinth okay no labyrinth was on the muppets so uh yes but anyway yeah having that overlap yes. time but what i was gonna say is okay so fine there's a constraint you know is a thing you have to deal with but to your point that you just made you then have still the rest of your day where you can do the thing where you say okay when i get done with all my morning meetings with india that's when i like to go for a jog and take a shower right and so then i can wake up and go to my first meeting immediately and i have to be showered because it's the advantage of working from home but i'll take my shower after the morning meetings i'll take a jog and then i'll have lunch and like you can you know 
planning out your day. Like I said, having a budget, having how much time you're going to do. There are there are constraints. There are things you can't control. There are people in different geographies. There are people you have to meet with or whatever. But for for teams, I would say if you're in the same geography and it turns out you only have one hour overlap, maybe you know maybe the you know, this is where you can apply constraints if you're a little higher in the org chart to say okay we can all kind of keep our own schedules yes but your day can't start at 9 p.m and end at 5 I, I love that i would i would consider that sort of a liberal arts approach of saying like well here's the points you need to be hitting at certain times anybody got a problem with that like other than that you do you do the work the way that it needs to be done the other thing is like i you know, i have questions for you um at some point few short questions but like one thing that comes to mind is um like do you think doesn't it seem like there could be a a risk okay so do not assume that your day is going to be the same as it was at work i'm sure you know that i'm sure you like i know you know that like hey you know don't have to get dry cleaning don't have to like you know uh do I'm my sit hair in tra- sit in traffic sit in traffic for Don't two have hours to necessarily shower at the same time as everyone else my wife's my wife's commute my wife's commute inside of san francisco is f- over 40 minutes in the morning that's inside san francisco which is a city of less than 49 square miles so that's nice but i was gonna say was though um so you know that you know that it's not going to be the same but like has your team talked about how this will change is it okay for your team to talk about how this will change because if you just keep the same assumptions the way they are with how it's been for n years you've been doing this job months whatever um isn't is do, do you feel like this can be an opportunity to have a conversation in a way that companies try and fail to do in a way that brands try and fail to do these no email friday kinds of ideas well how do you do that across a company do you want no email friday for the person who like cuts your paycheck like what if they need to talk to somebody about you getting your paycheck like you really want them to super have email right my problem, my beef with a lot of those things is they're mostly just to like to look good and be very like business 2.0 magazine kind of stuff. But like, don't you think there can be an opportunity here to talk about things like, is there a day of the week that we'd all like to have a little more runway to work on heads down projects? Are there certain days or are there certain times of days given where we are now in different places, different homes, different kids, different elder care? Is there a better time of day? Do you have these kinds of conversations with your team about optimizing around uh, when everybody is there any assent on when good times are to do things and should that become part of how we work back when i was a people manager for sure that was that was like the conversation to be having to you know uh, not, not and not just have that conversation once but to repeatedly check in see if things mm-hmm. have changed new members have come have people's arrangements uh you know uh changed from what they were before does this still work for everyone is a very big common phrase to make sure should we even be having this meeting is it still productive when should we have it? How long should it be? Are we taking too much time or taking too little time? The good thing about my particular profession and the, you know, tremendous proliferation of those uh, aforementioned enterprise tools is there is a there is a huge amount of structure imposed <laughs> that we impose on ourselves and that we have imposed <laughs> start, on us. It starts with the structure. Yeah, there's there's this scaffolding. There's a lot of made. hierarchies, John. Are there hierarchies in a lot of that software? And there's a lot of enterprise software and there's a lot of buttons to be ticked and like it, it is ridiculous busy work. But the good thing about it is that when blown to the four winds by global pandemic mm-hmm. that structure more or less remains through the magic of the internet it is basically accessible everywhere through the magic of vpns and our computers that that structure remains in a way that it doesn't for you know jobs that are more normal jobs that aren't just all on the computer and and the multi-geography thing you know having been a company that has had a big presence in india for you know decades we're very accustomed to the idea of mm-hmm. like basically 
basically the worst case scenario in terms of time difference, right? And accommodating that. So unlike Casey, you, are you still uh, uh, an East Coast fascist? Do you just assume everybody knows what time you mean? Uh, no, like, we, you know, you can't, well. Or do, we they, had, do they have, we to, had play, US do they have to, they have to come to you the way we have to come to you? We've had U.S. locations in the middle of the country, U.S. locations on the West Coast, U.S. locations on the East Coast, and then multiple locations in India, because India is a big place that isn't just one place there mm-hmm. as well. Um, so we've always had to deal with this. Uh, that The aforementioned enterprise software is actually pretty okay if you're, like, you learn pretty quickly just schedule a meeting like you have to you have to understand who's being invited to the meeting where are they when are Mm -hmm. they awake what time you know what are their schedule you know so once you learn how to do that the software is there to help you uh not be terrible at it and it's just it's just a discipline that you have to have you're like oh i mean every time i have to do a meeting i got to do all this stuff it's like yeah yeah that's that's the company you work for you do not work for a company that has five people in a room in one place you you know i've worked for that company but now you work for a multinational whatever blah 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 and this is just how you have to do everything so everyone is accustomed to doing it and it just Mm -hmm. becomes second nature i mean i suppose if i ever went to a different job and i didn't have to do that i'd be like oh my god this is so easy to schedule meetings Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh you know i've worked at the same place for a long time so i'm i'm very much used to it and i think it's a it's a thing you either get used to or you go get a different job because it's, you know, yeah. it's just the, the cost of doing business. And honestly, it's not that bad. Like I said, the structure that tools provide, we complain about tools and they are pretty awful. But yeah, I mean, that part you can that part you can appreciate. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Good, good calendaring, good, good synchronized calendaring, good teleconferencing tools. Like, they, like we mentioned WebEx, like stuff like healthcare apps and reimbursement and all that stuff. And they're pretty soon you're into like the bank security theater stuff. Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with that part of it because I see the rest of our organization. How do we deal with your insurance for people in different states and in different countries and payroll and all like and just HR and different like it's it's so complicated. I'm glad I don't have to deal with most of that. But for the tech stuff, for the most part, we're all using the same set of tools, and those tools have been, you know, very mm-hmm. bad at various times. But but overall, they have gotten better. If I think about what you know, even just ten years ago in my current job, what it used to be like trying to share a document and audio and video yes. across geographies doing that same thing it's still pretty crappy but it's so much better than it used to be like if i could if i could show them 10 years ago look how look how we're able to do this like you mentioned how much time you burn at the beginning of the meeting try to get the av to work mm-hmm. that still exists but it has gotten smaller if we could graph that it would be like wow we've cut that time in half in five years well the the app that everybody mostly uses now let's just say we've come a long way This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Bowl and Branch. You can learn more about Bowl and Branch right now by visiting bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Check them out, right? Bowl and Branch. Did, did you not already have these? Bowl and Branch are the folks who make the softest organic sheets and luxury bedding. And if you're looking to add a little luxury to your life, I know I am, then this is for you. Uh, these things are great. They sent me some of these uh, on the bed. They've gone through uh, the laundry, I think, twice now, and they really do get softer every time. It's like uh, it's like laying on a cloud, not in a, not in a bad way, in a good way. It's just it's just so soft, but uh, substantial, like good, good, good sheets. Mm, please get them. Bullet Branch products are made with uncompromised quality and attention to detail every step of the way. They are meticulously crafted from pure one hundred percent organic cotton. 
And they're such high quality because of the organic long staple cotton. Now, if they put that in there as a canary trap, knowing that I wouldn't know what it is and say it anyway, that's fine. Long staple cotton, okay? That's why they're high quality. And that actually makes Bowling Branch sheets get softer over time, QED. So they're honestly so soft, right? And, and they're the only bedding that has been loved by three U.S. presidents. I laugh every time because they never said who the three are, and I want to know. Is it McKinley? And if you didn't know already, Bowen Branch really are the good guys when it comes to ethical manufacturing. All of their factories prioritize workers' empowerment and sustainable incomes. Those are two very important things. 100% of their packaging is made from recycled paper. And they're the first manufacturer of linens to be fair trade certified. Good on you, Bowen Branch. You really need to give these a try. The shipping is always free. You can try them out for 30 nights risk-free. And right now, you get $50 off your first set of sheets by going to BowlinBranch.com and using the very special promo code DIFFS. That's D-I-F-F-S. Yeah, go, go now. Upgrade. Upgrade your bedding. Come on. You love to sleep. Why are you screwing around? Go out and get some, get, get some sheets. Go to Bowl and Branch. Go. Upgrade your bedding. You will not regret it. Say it thrice, and it's almost like praying. BowlinBranch.com. Promo code DIFFS. Our thanks to Bowl and Branch for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Why don't we do, why don't we do some quarantine results? Uh, so you've been at this. How many days have you been, I mean, as much as you can say, how many days have you been working from home? I've been working from home for a long time before this pandemic. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, in the, what you mean, oh, what yeah. do you, how do you mean? Because, because uh, for like, I don't know, like eight, I'm so bad with oh, time. When you, eight, were on, you mean like when you were on sabbatical? No, no. Like eight months ago or something, we uh, changed around stuff so that most of my teams were in India. Oh, I and see. So okay. I would have to be online with them early in the morning, but I'd also have to see my kids off to school. And so, but this is the first. Isn't this probably the first time that almost everybody is telecommuting? That seems like a horse of a different color to me. True, but the difference is for me, the people I was communicating with, for the most part, like I, I lost all of my local teams except for uh, you know a very small number of local people. The vast majority of my teams were suddenly in India, so I was always remote from them. But they were together in their various offices in India, right? I see. Now they are themselves dispersed, and so I think that's a more of a disruption. They are locked down hard in India right now. Yeah, it's as a, of more, today. It's more of a disruption for them than sure. it is for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, so far, I feel like, again, that the structure is really helping. And I think we're mostly dealing with obviously productivity is down <laughs> for everyone for obvious reasons. But other than that, things are mostly going OK. But I myself have been working from home because of the early morning hour things, just so I could basically like have a bunch of meetings, get kids off to school. Right. Back right, to right. more meetings, you know. Well, especially if you got a 5 a.m. or 7 a.m. call, that actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no, what normally happens is I would, I would, for a long time, I would come into the office in the afternoon for meetings with the local people. Right. Yeah. But right. at, at various times I'd look at my schedule and I'd be like, when is there a gap in my schedule long enough for me to shower, get dressed and get into the office? That's again, right there. That's, that's one of those dumb, like inefficiencies of the system. Well, how long have you and your team been COVIDed week? I think the India stuff has only been from the past like less than a week. I mean, our 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 work. I'm just was... I'm just trying to derive like when I ask you a question about how it's going, I just want to have a rough idea of how long you think this current stage has been going on. Yeah, I think for like we're we're in Massachusetts here. Massachusetts, our company was a little bit ahead of Massachusetts in terms of telling everybody like just don't come in. Like yeah. just every ever Massachusetts just don't, just don't come in. And then short, a couple of days later, the governor is like everybody. 
don't don't do the thing. So so in that amount of time that you've been at this, and you and your 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 coworkers have been at this, just off the dome, what's the what's the biggest thing you notice? It's different, in, in how in how you work or how y'all work together. I mean, other than just like less getting done, uh, you know, again for obvious reasons because everyone's got to deal with life stuff and having their screaming kids running around all the time and stress and anxiety. Like other than that, so far. I think things have mostly been, uh, and the cancellation of things. Like, so there are certain events that had been planned. We're going to do this thing then. We're going to release this thing at this time. Wasn't it crazy how rapidly it went from let's wait and see to like, it feels like over two or three days, three major events that my wife happened to be involved with in around the country all canceled within like two days. And th- this isn't even things like events. Forget about events. We canceled travel a while ago. And our, this is like internal deadlines of like we have a release cadence of when you're going to do things, when we're going to release features. And I mean, there's multiple reasons. One is like, oh, well, everything is chaos. So let's maybe not try to do this other thing in the middle of the chaos. And the second thing is we I work for a healthcare company mm-hmm. and we uh, anticipated and got way more like things are busy in the healthcare world in case you as you can imagine. So we are on like emergency capacity mode to say. A, for, for what y'all don't, do? Yeah. Okay. A, don't screw anything up. Yeah. Right? Which means cancel any plans you had to make any kind of changes that could possibly disrupt things, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then B... But you're, all your projects have to shelter in place, and too. And B, let's look for... Uh, how's our scaling doing? Could we handle twice as much traffic? What can we do to... Because, we, you know, we, we have the ability to anticipate, hey, this could be a time that, that things could get really, really busy. How, you know, are we ready to handle more traffic than we've ever handled? Or, you know, is ever if something's going to break in terms of scaling. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. If something's going to break in terms of scaling, what's well, going to break? And everybody take time away from what they were doing and reassess every part of the system. And let's take a survey and say, what do you think is going to break in your crap? What do you think is going to break in your crap? You know, what could we do ahead of time? What can we, uh, you know, preemptively provision? What can we, what knobs can we turn to be prepared for, you know, it's like all hands on deck, right? So that is a big change from like, how did you think this week was going to go versus how does this week actually go? So we canceled all sorts, canceled or postponed all sorts of things that we were going to do in terms of our software development and product development process and say, just, we're just going to hold off on that. Instead, we're going to concentrate on this, what we assume is this upcoming crisis. Okay. That's been the major difference. I I mean, in general, the, the particular teams that I work with, I think we're well positioned and don't have anything you know so we could actually get some productive work done and you know have it also gave us an opportunity to have discussions about future stuff right so like oh we were going to do that thing this week it seems like there's a lot of stuff you've got to i'm stuff is still occurring to me on so many levels about what's going on right now people who i'm forgetting you know live in this area people who i'm forgetting have this medical condition people who i'm forgetting like you know all that kind of stuff like there's a lot of like this everything has happened so quickly and it's been so emotional that like now a lot of the post irrational mopping up has to happen where you have to sort of but like in this case it's a way of saying like so we're going into lockdown mode we're going to eject all of the stuff off the ship that we don't need and be ready to focus on scaling up the stuff that we know is most vulnerable yeah and just you know taking stock of like doing doing what we as a government in the United States and a society have failed to do which is we know what's coming. Prepare for it. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't don't wait for things to blow up. Think about ahead of time. What could possibly blow up if I told you that tomorrow you're going to get 10 times more traffic than you've ever gotten? Right. I, and I, I remember t- talking to Chris Weatherall about this, um, 
how, like when I interviewed him for my dumb video show, and we were talking about how wild it is that, like, I think when Reader first went up, but really basically any Google service back in the day when it launched, it would crash. He's like, there's no way for us to test whatever the phrase is. We, there's, even for us, like, there's no way for us to model what this will be like under these certain kind of conditions because there's always something you can't anticipate that will have an effect on something you can't anticipate. So you test for everything you can't anticipate, you try to guess what you can't anticipate, and pretty soon you're in a Donald Rumsfeld situation. You know what I mean? If Google can't do it, I don't think anybody should feel terrible. Well, I mean, Google is, is actually, I feel like it's the reverse in that Google can't do it because they don't have anything world-sized to test with. But if Mm -hmm. your thing is not expecting the entire world to use it like Google, there's less of an excuse for you not to be able to prepare and simulate for it. Because you can simulate like... What to you seems like a lot of traffic, but to Google would be nothing. Oh, you're saying do test it as though ten times your biggest day, and you right. should. But if your know. biggest if your biggest day is the whole world is using you, you can't mm-hmm. like. I see what you're just, saying. You know, you what mean, I mean? Uh, like, it's like uh, Dubai; they wouldn't have a place to put their tools. Yeah, so I get so, it. I mean, we're we are big, but we're not Google scale, right? Yeah, but sure, we, sure. We, but we have that problem. Like, and Google's good at it, right? So, like, if you're gonna if you're in a little startup and you're gonna like, we're gonna get. I'm going to take numbers out. We're going to get a million visitors tomorrow. And the day before that, the most we'd ever had is 10,000. Google could do a million visitors in their sleep, right? So mm-hmm. you as a little company, it's not impossible. But if, Google, if Google's like, well, Google yesterday got, you know, you know, 3 billion people did this thing. And tomorrow, 4 billion. It's like, we've never had 4 billion. And we can't really test. We can't right, simulate right. 4 billion. And it's like. But I really like you know. the way you, you put it. I mean, I don't know how you said it on the call, but the idea of like saying like, um, you say a statement like this, and it might not seem very shocking to you, but in a lot of organizations, it would be pretty shocking to hear someone say, please tell me honestly, like your job depended on it, like what is the thing that you know of that is most likely to break in this scenario? That's all That's all we talk about as developers. Well, do, you, you know, do you understand that, that that is unique or almost yeah, unique? I mean, yeah, like if you're not in the software world, it, it can be de- depressing to, to think about. As, as opposed to like Easter's coming, let's open everything up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Easter like, will be Easter will be just a few days after this episode drops. I mean, I mean, it's uh, it's familiar in most engineering disciplines. Like anyone who's designing anything, you're designing an airplane. You like, all right, what's what's going to break on this wing, and when? You need yes. to know the answer to that question. You can't be like, oh, I think it's a pretty good wing. I've seen Apollo <laughs> 13. Yeah, I totally, I totally, pretty, I totally it looks get like it. a good wing. It's like no, you like, constantly it looks, asking. It looks, it looks, it's a good looking wing. We got a really good deal on it. We did a rev share with uh, mortgage.com. And, and and all you can do, though, is like, it's like chasing bottlenecks in software. It's like, you just have to decide where you would like it to break. Because everything will break eventually. You're just <laughs> That's gonna... very Yoda of you. Yeah. Like, all right. So <clears throat> under what conditions and where and how would you like it to break? Because the mm-hmm. choice is not, I'll just make it so it never breaks. That's mm-hmm. not, you can't do that in engineering and you also can't do it in software. Right, but you've been, haven't you been around the people who have also seen Apollo 13 and actually use phrases like failure is not an option? You say, well, listen, dude, like, you know, I don't even want to be yeah. cute with you here. Like, it's beyond <laughs> an option. It's like the most likely outcome of literally everything in the world because of entry. Right. You, may, you may have, you, what you, I see what your problem is. <laughs> baseball players, they got funny names, yeah. yeah. It's like they, they're taking it literally. It's like they, they, there's some, the artistic part of their brain goes off and they're like, failure is not an option. Literally. Well, there's there's no way there's no way to respond to that where you don't sound like a jerk. But the truth is, like, so here's what I hear. Well, if I were in a, I'm sorry, I'm doing that Michael Lop thing. That's that can be very annoying. When you say this, I hear uh, with, <laughs> with much love to Michael. But um, <laughs> like, um, but when um when somebody says you know failure is not an option, mic drop, and I say, well, my my response as a project manager in that case would be, well, then we really need to talk about our scope and our budget. 
because if your quality has to be this many nines, like, you know how the triangle works, uh, boss. Like, that means that the scope is going to have to go pretty far down. And it and listen, here's the thing. It's going to take time to figure out what scope, what cost needs to change. And then, of course, the budget needs to just go way, 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 way up. But there is a non-trivial cost. It's like checking your email. There's like a non-trivial cost associated with even deciding if we're ready to break this in a different way now. Yeah. Yeah, so Tom knew a guy from uh, Jefferson Airplane, was my point. I don't think I know. If you ask me to name someone from Jefferson Airplane, I don't think I can. Let's see. Grace Slick, uh, Paul Kantner, uh, Mickey Dolans, Peter Tork, Mm-mm. Robert Airplane. Yeah, I was. You could have probably slid that one by me, but you went, went, you went to Peter Tork. Because I put a hat on two hats is what I did. Yeah. I got a taste of the real world when I went down on you, girl. If only you believed in miracles like I believe in miracles. Can you believe that got that got slid by? That that made that onto the radio? I couldn't even name the song that's from. Yeah, give me a second. You did, because you didn't sing it. Oh, sorry. I just, I, I'm not going to get my guitar. Let's see. You're not going to get your guitar. If only you saying. believed, if only you believed in miracles, so would I. All right. You know that I'm, song? I'm with you. I, I got a I'm taste hoping. of the real world when I went down on you, girl. I don't think I knew the verses. <laughs> he's got the nose ring john mm-hmm. help we got i, I want to go home to help people out what 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 is uh what do people listening to this program right before hey by the way happy easter everybody mm-hmm. hope you got your palms and whatnot mm-hmm. don't drink the wine mm-hmm. can you imagine mm-hmm. having to finish the cup right now well that sucks <laughs> I, i've been telling everybody about this uh, this uh series of tweet replies from this person i'm sure they're not the only person doing it but they had they were chaining their own replies uh on the uh the trump easter thing and it's like I forget how he was phrasing it. He had a cute way to phrase it, but it was like, just once I want one of the press who's there assembled to, when they get called oh, oh, on, yes, to ask I a question. <laughs> to, to, just once, just ask him what Easter is. It was, it was Phil Michaels. And then listen, and you know what? Follow up. <laughs> Name any of the four Gospels. <laughs> Not four Gospels. Just what is Easter? Right, right. I mean, did, it's did you a, see it's his Trump a, impression after that? It was really good. It's the fantasy world in which he answers questions that are asked, obviously. So we're just here entertaining ourselves yes. with the fantasies that somehow he would answer. But, but it, you know, that's the level of, of thinking. And the reason it's funny is like, because you know he doesn't. No, absolutely. I mean, like, for example, but why, the, would, he, why would he need to but know? But what also, what also is so strange is like, you know, I mean, this is already, I, I don't know what other normal people see if they're not broken like me and read all of the Twitter. But like, you know, everybody's accepted for a pretty long time that he is addicted to adulation. This is like an eight quadrant problem for him. He's heavily, who is it? Uh, Jason Goldman, as he said, Trump is heavily over-indexed in travel and leisure. That's not great right now. He's got, he's on the phone every night. He's terrified that he's not going to get reelected. And who does he talk to every night? All of his big business friends who say, please reopen the government. What does he do? He looks at his friends on TV and hopes that they're saying something good about him right now. And it drives him, I, I remember I said this, I said this in our super secret channel a while back, that you know, because Mnuchin and Pelosi were working on all these different deals, and you know, he's president deals, that they were, Trump and Pelosi have not talked in five months. They only speak through Mnuchin. That's where we are right now. The Speaker of the House and the President have not spoken in almost half of a year. Okay, so so Mnuchin's got to do this, uh, what do they call it, shuttle diplomacy of running around and saying, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. But okay, so this the most the most tenuous deal, the actual deal that matters this week is like it, it's been this close, it pulls back, it's close, it pulls back, and like we do Groundhog Day every day with this this deal. Now last night he was 
So let's go back to this. What does he not have anymore? His rallies. He doesn't have his rallies where people wear their little hats. He doesn't have that adulation. So now what? He needs these press conferences about Corona where he cuts off Fauci and uh, what's her name? Burks? Like, that cut. doesn't even invite him anymore. Well, he came today. But, but I'm sitting there and like we're, we were, let's see, last night, what do we do? We made dinner last night. But uh, I looked at the iPad and everybody was retweeting this thing. It was winding down his one and a half hour, quote unquote, coronavirus briefing, right? Where everyone thanks him, right? And he gets to the end and they're saying, like, well, so the hang up right now is that there's some concern that money that's going, I guess, in particular to the airline industry or to thus and such, such industry is going to be somewhat opaque and like there's not any reporting requirements for this amount of time. And it sounds like there's a lot of concern in the Senate in particular right now on the Democratic side about uh, how, you'll ha- how, pe- how people will handle the oversight of this. He says, and they say, so what, what do you imagine that being? Now, understand, this is in- Mnuchin is like in Schumer's office, uh, office at this point trying to get something out because they're both looking really bad right now. And when the president is asked how they will handle oversight for that fund, he said, I think his actual phrase was, I am the oversight. And it's just in a moment like that where you're like, that sounded so cool in his head. But like, can you think of, if if you had somebody write something dumber to say tonight, I don't know, man. I think that's going to be tough to beat. I am the law. Say it again. I am the law. I'm doing my Judge Dredd. I'm doing my Stallone. Oh, oh, thank you, Stuart. Thank you very much. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to do. You got to start he off with a little squeaky Elliot voice. He came back. <laughs> I appreciate it. If you didn't drag a name through the mud. That's pretty good. You're getting it now. I think I do a pretty good Elliot doing Sly Stallone. Um, let me find this before we disconnect. Uh, Phil Michael. So, yeah. So, Phil... So Phil said, I will, I will, I think he left out a word. I will pay Trump $20 if he can accurately summarize the Easter story for me using the gospel of his choice. New line. I will throw in $5 if he can name the four gospels. I don't think it was Phil. I think it was someone else that had, had the same thing because they had said the same thing when Phil, he mentioned Phil is, Christmas. Phil is quote tweeting um, Aaron Rupar. Hmm. But it's Phil. Now here, here's Phil. Phil goes, we're, we're hearing about Luke these days, aren't we folks? <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a lot of good things out there, getting the word out about all these things going on with the salvation and those miracles. A lot of people don't know about those miracles, but they sure are something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Phil's funny. Why does he always sound like he's so far away? Why, why, why does he always sound like he's like a megaphone? <laughs> you know, said, he, no matter where, yes. he, he always sounds yes. like he's, yeah. Yes. He's using a laptop microphone? I don't know. It's weird. You should say something to him. Not, not now. I mean, we're all a little bit touchy right now. John, John. John, I, I want John. John, I, I want to go home, and I want to go be with my family, and I want to watch uh, Amadeus again. What, 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 what is your advice to our friends out there? What, what, just off the dome, what should they be doing right now, work or otherwise, help these people out? Uh, don't worry about work. Uh, work's not important. Stay alive. 